This podcast touches upon some complex topics. The creators have endeavored to deal with the issues honestly and with the sensitivity they deserve. They have also reached out to all key players for their comments and have sought to present a balanced and factual account. We ask that listeners consider each episode in its full context. I wouldn't have even chased myself up if not for the fact that I know who are the previous ex-Cohen who have been working with us all this while. At one point during AWARE's annual general meeting on 28th March 2009, Claire Nazar stopped the proceedings. She had just run unopposed for president, which was the plan agreed upon by herself and departing president, Constance Singham. But all the office bearer elections after Claire's were upset by Charlotte Lynn, Jenica Chua, Sally Ang, and Maureen Ong. Four newcomers with no experience volunteering at the Gender Equality Organization. So Claire made this plea to the people in the room to vote more experienced, established, aware members into the executive committee. I'm resting on the shoulders of of those before me, okay? I'm resting on their shoulders. So I just want to say this because I just want to say that I am new too in that sense, okay? But I've been here for the last one year and my eyes have indeed been opened up to a lot of things. And I really want to say that uh, I think I cannot do without them, all right, on board, the old guards, okay? Put it this way. Uh, And I want you to really consider your, you know, your voting quite clearly on this thing. Yeah. And I really want to... Uh, encourage you, okay, to to consider to give you yes support of uh, people who know about aware. Yes, that's right. Mm. Thank you. There's concern in Claire's voice. She's not the relaxed, confident leader she was at the start of the meeting. She's nervous. She repeats herself. As the elections went on, I was sitting here and looking at Claire Nazar. And I noticed that she was looking more and more stricken. Many people at that AGM, like longtime AWARE member Dana Lam, were watching Claire as the election progressed. They saw her already pale face turn white as a sheet. Dana thought, as the newly elected president, Claire was worried about having to lead an exco of total strangers. So I even crawled to her at the side and I squatted next to her and I reassured her, don't worry, even if there are new faces, we are all here, we will still be supporting you. A few days later though, a very different picture of Claire Nazar would emerge. Voiced here by an actor. I refer to the article, Can Mum, Mum and Kids Make a Family? by Janadas Devon, Straits Times, July 7th. I am appalled at Mr. Janadas's simplistic arguments for his case that homosexuals who are model citizens are qualified to raise children as a family of sorts. He assumed that homosexuality was normal and or desirable, that two same-sex persons could raise children as well or better than a man and wife. Indeed, Widespread mainstreaming of this aspect of the homosexual agenda will promote sexual... In the days following the AGM, where anti-gay letters written by some of AWARE's new members had come to light, the veterans searched frantically for online information about their new leaders. They discovered 
that like new members, Alan Chin, Jenica Chua and Angela Tiang, prior to joining AWARE, Claire had written a letter to the Straits Times condemning homosexuality. Claire's letter, published in the Straits Times online forum in July 2007, was written in response to a story about a lesbian couple and their children. The writer had called the family normal and exemplary in every way. In response, Claire argued that homosexuality was, quote, just wrong. She cited high rates of suicide among gay youth as evidence of the so-called psychological risks inherent to homosexuality. She also referred to men and women who have, quote, left the homosexual lifestyle, that is, undergone conversion therapy as evidence that a person's sexual orientation could be changed, a belief that medical professionals and experts have overwhelmingly rejected. The unearthing of this letter made longtime AWARE members feel dizzy. It seemed like there were two Claire's, the pleasant, reasonable Claire, who believed in AWARE's values of inclusivity, diversity and equality, and the Claire who saw homosexuality as abnormal, unsound, harmful. Claire did not respond to our requests to interview her for this podcast, so we've had to rely on other people's memories and their old emails and notes to try to answer our central question about her. That question being, who was the real Claire Nazar? Drama 2 apparently at the AWARE office as well. When I was sitting there in a fetal position, thinking, oh God, what happened? What happened to us? What happened to us? I, I just thought that she was a spy and that she was planted in there to become the president. What she said was just so ugly, you know, and for them to applaud it. To them, the ends justify the means. I'm Bharati Jagdish. This is Saga, Episode 4, Old Guard, New Guard. Just like, why do I feel guilty all the time? Why do I have this great sense of responsibility? I don't know. In the days that followed the 28th March AGM, Constance Singham was furious at herself for allowing what increasingly seemed like an orchestrated takeover. She thought she should have seen it coming, seeing how easy it was for someone to run for AWARE's executive committee. But she was also angry at her old friends, like founding member Margaret Thomas and longtime member Corinna Lim. They had not been there at the AGM. They had let her and AWARE down. Even now, I can get angry. Even now, I can cry about it. AGMs are really boring things. And, you know, if I go to AWARE for an event, it will not be an AGM. This is Corinna Lim. Corinna had started volunteering at AWARE in 1992 when she was a corporate lawyer. In 1995, she had helped nominated Member of Parliament and former AWARE President Kanwaljit Soin with her watershed Family Violence Bill. But then Corinna founded a dot-com startup and later returned to corporate law. She had no time to spare for AWARE. This was your phase of, I have a business to run. Yes. I can't give so much of my time to AWARE. Yes. Right. When I asked Margie, she said the same thing. Everything was happening, you were there, mm. you know, so we didn't have to come. That was everybody's attitude, yeah. 
Immediately after the AGM, Connie called Margie to tell her what had happened. And I laughed because, what? <laughs> who? <laughs> who would want to take over a where? I mean, why? <laughs> why should they want, why should they be interested in a where? And it was just so out of context and uh, completely out of the blue. Margie's laughter felt like salt in Connie's wound. Here she was, raising the alarm, and Margie wouldn't take her seriously. Of course, Margie had no idea of the significance of what, for all she knew, had been just another boring old AGM. Connie called Corinna too. I remember Constance's conversation and she was very upset, very angry and also very distressed. So it was the, the call of a friend who was in, in trouble that also led me to go back very quickly, no hesitation, to join the meetings. And I think you don't realise how precious something is until you are about to lose it. Margie and Karina agreed to meet the next day at Connie's house with Dana, Halija Mohammad, Tanju Him and Lena Lim, people whose feminist values and commitment to AWARE's gender equality mission were beyond reproach. Halija recalls that by then, paranoia was already taking over. By then, we know that something, something organised, right? This, this is organised, this is uh, a lot of work has been put behind this coup, right? We call it coup by then, yeah. And so, we were worried that uh, if they knew we were having a meeting, maybe they've got PI there with binoculars and telescope, you know, aim at uh, outside uh, 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 Constance's house to see whether people are meeting and gathering at Constance's house. So I said, hey, lots of pairs of shoes outside, better take inside, put inside, you know, in case the PI is walking and saying, yeah, 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 something is brewing in this in this flat, you know. So that was, I remember, because we, remember, we all did, we were all just flapping about like, you know, a, a fish out of water, right? Yeah. And you know, a little flat, you know? Yeah. It doesn't really make sense to hide the shoes because if someone were watching you, they would have seen all of you guys walking into the yeah, house one by one. Again, <laughs> uh, you know, it was just, it was just, uh, you know, unthinking, emotional response, you know? Yeah. Mm. No, but again, that's authentic. Uh, flapping about, you know? Mm. Mm. Hiding the shoes might not have foiled any spies, but it did confuse Margie. So I turned up at the appointed time and, you know, we'd been to Connie's many times. And at first I thought, um, oh, is this the wrong day? Have I got the wrong time? Because there was no shoes outside her flat. So anyway, I knocked on the door and it opened and there was this horde of people inside, all the wear people, who had decided to put their shoes on the inside of Connie's flat instead of the outside. And I said, why? Because they didn't want to alert anybody that we were meeting. We, uh, we, we cannot be seen to be even meeting to talk about it. I think nobody was really clear as to what was going on. The ghost of Operation Spectrum rose again. That deep-seated fear of government surveillance felt so sharply in 1987 when 22 activists were detained without trial. Paranoia informed much of the decision-making at that meeting. Everyone agreed, for example, not to speak to the press about what had happened. That sense of shame the sense that of embarrassment that you have actually allowed yourself, not allowed yourself, you've, you've been in a situation in which you have, you have been invaded. How can this happen to us? How, how can we have been invaded this way? We didn't have clear proof. There was a lot of 
um, um, in sleuthing going around. Now, we were all, you know, after the meetings, we'd go home and be Googling and trying to find connections and talking to each other. All that was still going on. The group went over and over everything they knew about the new members at the AGM, but there was hardly any information to go on. So, conversation turned to someone they did know more about, Claire Nazar. Not everything I'm about to tell you was known to the group at Connie's house that afternoon. Some of it came to light in the following days, as more search results surfaced and more connections were revealed. Truth be told, to this day, nobody can be 100% sure of Claire Nazar's allegiances. Looking at the evidence, there are compelling arguments both for Claire's innocence and for her possible complicity in the takeover. For one, there was the fact that Claire had personally invited a bunch of the newcomers to the AGM, and she herself had nominated five for seats on the EXCO, which they all won. Hi, my name is Lois, or I can pronounce it as Lois. I'm a friend of Claire. Hi, uh, my name is Catherine, uh, Catherine Tan. I'm actually a personal friend of Claire. One of those five, Karis Lim, was known to Connie and company, having served in many roles over her eight years at AWARE helpliner, counsellor, sex education trainer, etc. But the other four were strangers. Four strangers, known to have some relationship with Claire, were now serving under her on the new Exco. Of course, there was Claire's decidedly homophobic letter to the Straits Times in July 2007, as well as the fact that, unbeknownst to many at aware, she attended a charismatic church led by Reverend Yang Tuck Yung, whose strident views against homosexuality were well documented. When you did find out, what did you think? I, I just thought that she was a spy mm. and that she was planted in there to become the president and then to help all these other people take, take over away. Mm. That was my, my conclusion. Lastly, while she was president, Connie had given Claire the crucial task of reviewing Aware's constitution. For many, this was even more conclusive evidence. Oh, I think at that time, I and most other people thought that she was part of the whole coup and that she was, she was the person that betrayed uh, the organisation and brought her friends in. Explain why you thought that. Because... There, there must have been someone who knew our constitution well, right, uh, and could take advantage of it. Claire had been asked to examine a specific section concerning the voting rights of associate members, that is, men and non-Singaporean women. This was a topic that came up time and again at AWARE. It had most recently been discussed again at the 2008 AGM. By studying the constitution, Claire must have recognised how easy it was for new, untested members to get elected into AWARE's EXCO. As long as someone nominated them and someone else seconded the nomination, they'd be in the running. It's possible that like some other members, Claire had seen that flaw as a strength. After all, as Corinna Lim explains. We didn't see them as loopholes. We saw them as uh, a constitution that served the purpose that it needed to serve. Because we needed people on the spot to join. If we didn't have uh, a provision where we could just recruit people from the floor, even people we didn't know, then we actually couldn't fill the exco. 
What we do know for sure is that Claire spent a lot of time examining Aware's constitution. Was this sheer naivete? Despite the evidence piling up against her, some, like Lillian Wong, did not think Claire had malicious intent. Oh, Claire Nazar, uh, she was very nice. We had a very good working relationship, you know. Maybe I'm a little bit blind or whatever, but uh, I never saw her as, uh, you know, this uh, uh, sly, quiet person trying to infiltrate, you know. Mm. I, it didn't come across at all. Claire had nominated four unknowns into ordinary exco positions, but Claire had also nominated Karis Lim as an ordinary member and Chu Yijin as assistant honorary treasurer. They had both won those seats, and Karis and Yijin were aware veterans. There was the speech Claire gave at the AGM, pleading people to vote for experienced aware members over the newcomers and many had observed her very palpable mounting astonishment as the elections progressed. Another thing in her favour, Claire was simply well-liked. She had been a steady and cooperative member of AWARE for 13 months. In the second half of 2008, Claire had even worked on an AWARE childcare project with longtime members Schutz and Juhin. She was very friendly and I got on very well with her and enjoyed working with her and you know, our, our philosophies about parenting were, were, you know, sibling enough that we could have good conversations. And I think Schultz also, you know, we found that we got on well with her and we liked her and, and definitely Constance. If she was orchestrating the takeover, <coughs> she would have been an incredibly good actor mm. for none of us to suspect. It was hard to stomach the idea that their year-long relationship could be a front one last point in favour of Claire's innocence. The very first EXCO meeting with the newly elected 2009 AWARE EXCO took place on Tuesday, 7th April. The meeting minutes later made their way to Maggie and Dana. All 12 EXCO members plus immediate past president Constance Singham attended. At this meeting, Claire was observed to be behaving defensively. Um, she had told other shoots or Connie that she, she was eating, sleeping, breathing the AWARE constitution. She had, was just had a copy with her all the time and she was referring to it because whatever she said, people would question her and she would flip the constitution and goes, I'm allowed to do this because of this or this is because... And I think she said it was, she was very stressed. Claire seemed to believe that if she put one foot wrong, her exco might mutiny. It was not exactly the behaviour of someone who had just successfully orchestrated a coup. Then... Just one day after the first EXCO meeting, Wednesday 8th of April, Claire Nazar announced her resignation as president of AWARE. She quit just 11 days into her term, leaving the organization without a president until the following week's meeting. Shortly after, The Straits Times ran a long feature interview with Claire titled, Why I Quit as AWARE President. This article is the closest we have to Claire speaking in her own words. Former lawyer Claire Nazar quit the presidency of AWARE after just 11 days because she did not want the hassle. The hassle, that is, of working with the new executive committee, which she felt was too gung-ho for her with its stormtrooper tactics. 
for starters, the new exco did not seem to take kindly to having input from former President Constance Singham or any of the veteran members of the 24-year-old women's group, Mrs. Nazar said. Worse, they kept Mrs. Nazar, 37, out of the loop on various matters. She quit to avoid the in-house politicking. She said, I didn't want to waste my time. Every hour spent at AWARE means one hour away from my family and children. I'm quite happy to step out of the picture, said the mother of two young children, who is also a marriage counsellor. In the interview, Claire talks about her passion for advocacy. Both her parents were born deaf-mute, she says, and she had to learn to speak up on their behalf. When the reporter, Serene Go, brings up her 2007 letter on gay families, Claire sighs. For the record, she says, I am not anti-gay. My letter was against same-sex marriages and the impact on children. It was not anti-gay, which is discrimination against homosexuals. It's not totally clear what she means by this distinction. Remember, Claire had written that homosexuality was, quote, just wrong. The article ends by noting, As to the speculation that she was part of a concerted effort by the new guard to oust the old, but who pulled out at the last minute, she replied in a word, no. She said, I just want to see AWARE moving forward, and I really don't care who does it, as long as they can account for themselves. Some people, like Juhim, feel a little sorry for Claire now. She was probably being attacked on all sides. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't blame her for resigning. Juhim speculates that instead of being the mastermind behind the coup, Claire was just a pawn used by somebody else. Juhim imagines that Claire said to this other person, Hey, I'm now involved in AWARE. It's a feminist organisation. It's pretty cool, but it may be cooler if we can get in more Christians so that we can influence the discussion there in a, you know, I think at worst, I would say that she wanted maybe two or three more people, Christians, in there working with her so that they can start to introduce certain ideas that maybe she thought we were a bit too liberal about or, or, or not, not in line with her values. Corinna Lim actually managed to speak to Claire after the saga when the dust had settled. Claire conveyed to her that indeed, she had innocuously asked around for new blood among her social circles which happened to be Christian, and that she had inadvertently revealed the succession issues AWARE was facing and the ease with which one could become an office bearer. And um, I believed her when she told me who she knew, who she didn't, and she had no idea. So she did tell people, but she, she was played, right? They had made use of her to get into the organisation. So I think uh, it was probably Connie who said, Claire, we need more new blood. And if you have any friends that you think are capable and might be interested in this cause, you should consider asking them. So I think that's when Claire went out to ask her friends. And I'm not sure exactly who, but somehow uh, people use this invitation. Why did you believe her? I met with her and uh, she seemed very truthful to me. Schutz Lee may have put her finger on it when she said, I think um, Claire may have been the Trojan horse. A Trojan horse, a vehicle to get past the admittedly flimsy walls of AWARE. 
armed with Claire's knowledge, an opportunistic friend could have gathered her own women to contest in the elections and won them with resounding success, leaving Claire blindsided in the process. Who this mastermind third party might be was a mystery to the group gathered at Connie's place on 30th March. What they did discuss in great detail, both at this meeting and at another one at Lena Lim's house the next day, were their next steps. They were joined at these meetings by two additional individuals, who like the others had been telephoned and summoned in secrecy. The first was Brema Mahdi, another past aware president and former nominated member of parliament. The second was lawyer Siu Kam Hong. Kam Hong, you'll remember, was the NMP who had tabled the petition to repeal Section 377A of the Penal Code back in 2007. He was also an aware associate member. Damn, you know, these people come in and take their, their organization away from them. These people with no track record, you know, uh, clearly had some kind of ulterior motive. You might not be able to prove it in the court of law, but clearly had an ulterior motive. I, I never hesitated. You know, it was just like, yes, what do you need me to do? And I will do it. An email sent out by Dana Lam after one of the meetings reveals the group's considerations. Dear all, Dana writes, we've got a picture of what lies ahead. Thought I'd fill you in. We looked through our current constitution to see what may be to our advantage. There is precious little. Dana then runs through a list of suggested actions. Some of them, such as reporting the dispute to Singapore's Registry of Societies, or even the Prime Minister's office, were quickly discarded, as Corinna remembers. If you ask me now, I mean, going to ROS, I don't think that... My sense was the government wouldn't want to get involved at all. Because for them, it's like, how will I know what the merits of this situation are? Who is right? Who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? You know, why should we get involved in what might be, what seems to be a private affair, right? But the team did settle on three main ideas, which Dana, a diligent note-taker, laid out in another document titled Options. Option one, wait and see what the new EXCO does while opening a dialogue with them. Lena Lim, AWARE's first president, was in favour of this. I felt that we should give them the benefit of a doubt and to see what were their reasons for taking it over, whether there's something that we could talk about to straighten this out. Uh, there must have been a big misunderstanding. But very few others liked option one. There was little to suggest that the new Exco's values were in line with AWARE's principles of equality. Their actions thus far indicated otherwise. So this give-them-a-chance approach was a no-go for those like Kunwaljit Soin. If they wanted to change our agenda, they could be, have become members of AWARE, come into our subcommittees, become elected into our uh, ex executive committee, and then persuade us to change our agenda or let us know why the agenda that we have is not, is not the right agenda. In, and, or why couldn't they have formed their own organisation and be in competition with AWARE in the marketplace of ideas? The group agreed, wait and see was not the way to go. If you wait, it's game over because all of the constitution can change and you can, can change in a way that you can never actually 
wrestle power back. Option two, publicly resign from AWARE on block and start a new group. This came to be known as the scorched earth idea, but it too had problems. For one, the newcomers could have AWARE's name and reputation to capitalize on as they pleased. Also, did everyone want to start a new group? When Siu Kam Hong asked this, the women looked around the room in silence. None could say for certain that they had the commitment and the energy for that. Which left option three, requisition. A requisition meant making an official claim to AWARE. It involved calling for an extraordinary general meeting or an EGM. At that meeting, the members could hold a vote of no confidence in the executive committee, calling out their lack of experience. 10% of the members can requisition the president to call an EGM. The president or the exco has an obligation to actually call an EGM. I think it was quite clear to me if we were going to do anything at all, it would, it would have to be the EGM. As with other options, there were some concerns. How would the newcomers react to this counter-attack? Would the new exco even allow the EGM? and the vote of no confidence to happen at all? Well, legally, this was supposed to be what, what they have to do. We didn't have control that they would, in fact, do that. Right? We could requisition, but maybe they won't do the legal thing and just ignore us, and then we could be stuck. So this was a possibility. You could take them to court for it, can't you? Yeah, but no one's going to go to court for this, right? Court is just too expensive. Despite those potential hurdles, the team slowly rallied around the requisition idea. It meant taking real action, instead of sitting around and watching AWARE be run into the ground. It meant having a fighting chance at saving their organisation. Here's Kam Hong. At this point, he was acting as the group's unofficial legal advisor, and though he tried hard not to let his own preferences show, he eventually had to admit. For him, it was requisition or go home. When I was younger, I always liked to, I would say I always liked to fight, but I would never shy away from a fight. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Um, and so the truth is, even in that first meeting, I was like, of course you should requisition an EGM. Right? Of course you should try and take it back. I mean, well, of course you can't just like give it to them, right? If someone comes into your home and invades it, of course you have to fight back. Yeah. Of course. So it was decided they would requisition. Margie Thomas remembers a sudden feeling of resolve. At which point would you say there was a greater sense of empowerment within the organisation? At which point did you say all, you sort of got over the, the shame of allowing something like that to happen? I think happen? once we decided on the, on the plan of action, once we'd agreed that we would requisition an EGM, um, then it was no looking back because we were just caught up in doing everything we needed to do to try and win it back. This uh, AWARE wasn't just any old organisation. You know, in the, in the 25 years that it had been in existence, it was in the news a lot. You know, and in that time, I think by, by 2009, they must have had like two or three nominated members of parliament already. Uh, they were prominent people. This is Alan John. In 2009, Alan was the deputy editor of Singapore's biggest broadsheet newspaper, The Straits Times. 
He was also friends in a personal capacity with Constance Singham, who was his wife's godmother. Allen went way back with Aware. He had a great admiration for the organization, particularly its willingness to hammer away at unpopular issues. Aware was a hell of an irritating organization. I'm a friend of Aware, okay? But did, uh, was Aware sometimes an irritant? Yes. One day in early April, Alan and his wife were visiting Connie. A routine social call, they thought. But that day she was really like weird, you know, and quiet and down and all that. And came a point where we had to say, Connie, what's going on? You know, what's happening? And that's when she just sat on her sofa and started to tear. The story of the takeover tumbled out of Connie against her better judgment. And it was the most bizarre thing I had heard. So I said, Connie, we have to write a story about this. And she was so worried. She was so worried about us writing a story. And I couldn't understand this because this was a group raising all kinds of issues on everything. Connie, remembering the other's unwillingness to speak to the press, was reluctant. So Alan turned on his editor's charm. In order to get the story, I'm going to say, look, I will take care with it. It's something we do countless times to many reluctant newsmakers, it is certainly not an assurance that I'm going to be on your side from here on. If tomorrow, this group turns out to be a group with fantastic evidence that shows that the former committee of AWARE had bungled something majorly, had misused funds, had mistreated its employees, had done I don't know what, that would have been the story. There's no running away from that. So, uh, so it was a risk that she could take it was a mystery that deserved, you know, telling. Who did this and why? You know, that was it. And that's all I wanted to know. Alan called up writer Wong Kim Ho. Kim Ho was one of Alan's best reporters. But as he tells it, his assignment might have also had a metaphysical logic to it. You see, I have an ex-colleague who was an accountant. Okay, but she had become like a, a feng shui master and a... And a, and a fortune teller. So like uh, prior to this incident for the last few years, every year after Chinese New Year, she would uh, do my metaphysical readings and said, oh, you know, uh, there are certain things that you, you need to be uh, aware of, you know, in terms of health, blah, blah, blah. So that year, I remember it was very strange <laughs> because um, after Chinese New Year, she had a reading and then she looked at me very puzzled and then she says, hey, Kim Ho, I think uh, around May, uh, you will have a lot of problems with women, you know. They'll be giving you a lot of trouble. She told me in Mandarin, Kim Ho, hey, oh. you're I was like, oh, okay. Months passed and Kim Ho put this out of his mind until midway through his reporting on the AWARE takeover. Hey, you know, this was what Helen said, you know. So the next morning I called her. Then she said, Oh, okay, let me let me let me do let me do another reading for you. And then she called me back later and she said, Hey Kim Ho, this will this will <laughs> this will happen for another month or so, you know. Uh, you'll be under a lot of pressure. Just keep cool and keep calm and just do what you do, and then she said. So, as was his destiny, Kim Ho went and interviewed Connie, Dana, Brema Madi, and other past presidents. Then, he reached out to AWARE's new ex-co, and in reply, 
some slam their phones on me. As journalists, you always have to get both sides of the story, but um, they, they shut us out. There was just a brick wall. And two weeks later, I still didn't know who are these people, you know? And that was just unbelievable because we, this is a small town, we know everyone in this town. Yeah, which, which I guess made the story more intriguing in that sense. Why were they so mysterious, you know? So like, obviously, if um, they had been, uh, let's say, noble about their intentions, yeah, they would, they would have spoken quite freely. Finally, on 10th April, the Straits Times published its first article on the takeover. The headline, Unknowns Knockout Veterans at Aware Polls. Singapore's best-known women's group, the Association of Women for Action and Research, AWARE, has seen a dramatic changing of the guard, which some members are describing as nothing short of a leadership grab. Almost a fortnight into their new roles, the new leaders of AWARE were not entertaining calls from the media this week. New Honorary Secretary Janika Chua Chaw Ping told The Straits Times a press release would be issued in a few days. The story blew up fast. I remember there were colleagues in the newsroom sending me messages, wow, Kim Ho, what a story, you know. It made its rounds across the Singapore blogosphere, which in 2009 was thriving. Alternative news website The Online Citizen jumped into the fray, as well as mainstream outlets Today and Channel News Asia. Then, the Business Times and the Mandarin newspaper, Lian He Zhao Bao. Some hot takes missed the mark a little. Editor P.N. Balji wrote an op-ed in the Today newspaper with the title, Ladies, Have You Forgotten Your Narrative? He called the aware veterans sore losers and accused them of themselves being intolerant to those with ideological differences. Readers wrote in to object. It wasn't a question of tolerance, they said. It was a question of transparency. How could you tolerate someone who refuses to explain her position in the first place? Balji later apologized for misreading the situation. A couple of terms were consolidated throughout this period. One was the term old guard for the longtime aware members, Connie, Maggie, Dana, Corinna, Juhim, and so on. Correspondingly, the new exco became known as the New Guard. So frankly, I can't remember when we started using New Guard, Old Guard. The other term was Saga. We were giving it fairly prominent coverage by now. I think as soon as the story drags on too long, it becomes Saga. Mm. <laughs> then some sub-editor might have put that on and then it stuck. Uh, you, you're always looking for a catchphrase for a running story and you know... So it has so many twists and turns, I mean, for want of a better word. I mean, it was very soap operatic, you know, so it was a saga, yeah. All this coverage, but still from the new Exco, silence. Meanwhile, the Straits Times kept pushing. Right, so, okay, by now we knew it wasn't the government, because if it was, we would have heard from government, you know, in, after our first story came out. That the new guard had conservative religious views of some sort was at this point a given. And, and in those few days, you started to see some of the names turn up in uh, church-related information, in anti-homosexual um, you know, information on, online. Uh, and then it started to, to narrow down towards this one Anglican church. I remember... Um, we sent out a couple of fairly, either they were interns or new reporters, you know, to, to the church 
the Church of Our Saviour. And they were of course turned away, you know. But then uh, one of them went back one day and then uh, she ran into the, um, I think the, the, the caretaker, the, you know, the, the person who looked after the grounds. In desperation, the junior reporter showed the caretaker some photos of the new exco that the paper had managed to find online. And, and then the cat is, oh, this guy, this one comes to this church, this one comes to that. So, yeah, it was confirmed, you know. We, we, we sort of knew that, yeah, several of them were from the same church. It was, as they say, a scoop. Even as the aware saga continues to unfold, it appears that some of the newcomers in its leadership are familiar faces at the Anglican Church of Our Saviour at Margaret Drive. Housed in a renovated former cinema near Commonwealth, the church has a congregation of about 4,000. It takes a strong stand against homosexuality and states so on its website. Homosexual practice is contrary to God's word, so we stand against that and the active and aggressive promotion of such behaviour, it states. So there it was the key to unravelling this mystery, Church of Our Saviour. On the next episode of Saga. God says that there, there, there is an increasing lawlessness in the world. There was a lot of old-fashioned preaching about how men should be the head of the household and all that. Then perhaps it's time for the religious community to now re-enter the public space and kind of put their foot down on For this podcast, we reached out to Claire Nazar, and the members of the New Guard. They either declined or did not respond to our interview requests. Saga is hosted by me, Bharati Jagdish. It was written and produced by Jasmine Ng and Kelly Liao. Audio post-production by Mocha Chai Laboratories, with sound design by Chong Sin Ying and Amelia Sai. Noraina Sapari was our associate producer, and Bali Kaur Jaswal was our story consultant. Original score by Wei Shen Din of the band Dot GIF. And additional music from the Free Music Archive under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial License. Artwork by John Albrecht. Gwen Lim was our marketing strategist. We received editorial assistance from Kaspan Paraskasis Narayan, Lim Tien, Megan Tan, and a tireless group of interns. We're also grateful to Sply Studios and Neon Sound. Visit aware.org.sg slash saga for bonus clips, links to archival material, an interactive timeline, character map, and more.